It's Wednesday, January 26th, and you have uh, downloaded or you are live streaming Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson here with you. Sarah Hoyles, Samuel Brooks, along for this episode that I know is going to be a good one. We're going to be talking a a little bit about what's going on at the Russia-Ukraine border and trying to make sense of it. People are going, well, what role should the Western world play in this? What role should Canada play? What about NATO? What's the relevance? Dr. Maria Popova is going to be uh, joining us from McGill University, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Number one, because uh, do we actually know how much we should probably know about this? In other words, I know that we feel as an audience member, as a subscriber to this show, you probably feel like you want to be pretty aware of what's going on around you and you want to have an informed opinion. That's our mandate today. That's our goal. That conversation is coming up in about 10 minutes time. And then we're going to check back in with uh, a pal of ours, uh, Mike Duggan, first checked in. You remember this from the cab of his truck? He's a long-haul trucker, and he was he was holed up uh, in a parking lot, essentially, with like dozens of other trucks. He said that there's hundreds or even thousands of us stranded across British Columbia when those landslides were happening. You remember those, what were they called? Atmospheric streams? Atmospheric rivers. Atmospheric rivers. Atmospheric rivers were happening, and, and he was going, yeah, we, we can't be on the highway right now. Remember these dramatic drone videos we were showing you of the Coquihalla all washed out. It feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? And when everybody's talking about truckers in Canada right now, everybody's talking about supply chain issues and empty grocery store shelves. Everyone seems to have forgotten that there are other factors at play. We wanted to check in with Mike to pick his brain on what he sees going on around him and in the industry. I'm going to ask Mike if he's vaccinated and what he makes of, of this dust up. You know, this convoy is making its way across Canada and it's, it's seeing some support from some pretty high profile people others are burying their heads in their hands going oh my gosh can we please have some real talk about what's going on here so we endeavor to do that we're getting a lot of feedback from you our audience members on twitter by way of email that's letting us know that that's something that you want us to be focusing on it's something that's catching our attention and we're going to be getting into some other stories making news today as well uh sarah hoyles has a keen eye on a lot of the stories the buzzworthy stories first let me remind you That these episodes happen because, uh, in large part, of the support of our presenting sponsor, Bitcoin Well. Bitcoin's just taking a bit of a beating, along with the stock market, along with everything else, it seems, right now. The price is down, and I've got a lot of my friends and people around me that are big on Bitcoin saying, yeah, it's a great time to buy right now, or it's a great time to get paid in Bitcoin. If that's something you're interested in, or if you're just trying to make sense, seek some insight into what's going on right now. Why is the floor falling out right now? You can always ask those types of questions to the team at Bitcoin. Well, in person or online, you'll find them under the sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Barry Bonds falling short of the 75% votes needed for enshrinement in Cooperstown and Baseball's Hall of Fame. Uh, Those results announced Tuesday afternoon. It means that this in his final year of eligibility, that one of the greatest home run hitters in the history of baseball, the all-time leader in home runs and walks, by the way, uh, Barry Bonds also owns the single season home run record, uh, averaging 41 homers a year, which is completely bananas through his career. He will not be in the Hall of Fame, of course, because of the cream and the clear, the juice, whatever you want to call it. Barry Bonds was absolutely jacked going from Sam. Is it fair to call him a, a fit, 
spry young rookie in the game, a, a guy who had all the tools and greatness and the pedigree as well, did Barry Bonds. Uh, the family the family ties to be a great, maybe even an all-time great baseball player, but he got bigger and bigger and bigger through the years, including in the later years, where his head, quite frankly, looked like it was going to pop off his body. Everybody knew that it was roids, but nobody cared because it was Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa with, with, with just pumping balls out of ballparks and nobody really cared about the steroids but the hall of fame does it was the roids era of baseball but it's like i mean you i I love the way you teed up barry bonds because like had he not been juicing he'd probably still be a hall of famer or at least a better hall of fame contender No, he would be a hall of famer period because he's not going into the hall now i've got a lot of my friends uh are upset about this the sports fans are upset about this they say he's an all-time great he belongs in the hall regardless uh there's other people in the hall of fame they say that were cheating in baseball or that compromised the integrity of the sport of baseball Uh, meantime pete rose who famously bet on baseball not in the hall of fame uh baseball's dug its heels in on that one i don't know if there's a double standard or not if you were casting about if you were one of the baseball writers that had a vote would barry bonds get your vote to go into the hall of fame oh that's tough because baseball takes cheating unbelievably seriously or at least they try to they have the smoke they pretend like they do yeah uh you know what i would say ah I think I'd have to vote yes. I think I'd have to say yeah. He's got to be in. You'd put him in the hall. I, it was it, he was a product of his era. Okay. So would you would you note that on the? Uh, on I the- think so. I think that there's a way like there's a way to honor a player with an asterisk to say like look this is one of the greatest home run scorers of all time, and he was juicing the whole time. Okay. Like, there's a way of of. of <laughs> Hall of Fames are museums, right? They're, they tell the facts. They tell the history as it happened. But people so. will say once once you once you compromise on on an admission or an induction into the Hall of Fame, then you compromise the Hall and what it stands for. I'm being a bit that of a devil's true. advocate on oh, this one. I know one. you are, Sarah and Hoyles. I, if you were voting, if you had a vote whether or not Barry Bonds would wind up in, enshrined in Baseball's Hall of Fame, would you have voted him in? Nope. No. How? Because of the roids. Because of the, I mean, yes, I understand that it was part of the game. I mean, track and field is known for it, as is, you know, cycling. cycling. We talked, <laughs> yeah. we talked about Lance Armstrong last week and how he brought immense shame to the entire sport. So, yes, I know he was incre- Barry Bonds, incredible, incredible athlete. He was able to strategize and you know steal bases like nobody's business, but. I think it's a slippery slope. I just don't agree that, you know, if we let him in and we say it's okay, what's the message? We talked about it last week. Athletes are role models. It's okay to cheat. Oh, you can cheat your way hang, into the hang on, Hang on, hang on, hang on, though. Uh, it, again, devil's advocate here. Um, <laughs> you love it. By the way, on a side note, this is this doesn't matter to anybody, and I shouldn't take everyone's valuable time to mention this, but I redid all of our like advertising reads, commercials. Sam, did you notice everything was much more reorganized here, Hoyles? Spent hours on it yesterday getting organized again. In the first five minutes, I've already spilled coffee all over all of the new work that I did. All of, all of the new sheets, all of the new pages are now covered in coffee again. I'm going to release myself from it. It's like when you Those get the first first notes. scratch. Delicious. It's when yeah, thanks to Yegg Coffee Club. Um when when you get the first dent or scratch in a new vehicle, actually it's a bit of a relief, isn't it? You just get it out of the way. So I've got my coffee spilled all over my papers today. Um I was going to acknowledge uh admit that I don't know if cycling has a Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know if there's an International Cycling Hall of Fame, but if there was or if there is, Hoyles would you deny Lance Armstrong entry into the Cycling Hall of Fame? Yes. Really? Yes. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess this is the Hoyles like morality hall of fame is ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> Can we the Sarah Hoyles morality hall of fame would be an amazing startup. <laughs> who, who would be your first inductee? Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama would be the first to go in. I can already see the tweets pointing out all of Barack's drone strikes. I can already see the tweets you would be getting in your but first Michelle five minutes. But Michelle was not behind those drone strikes. So, okay, you know. Okay, you absolve her. She didn't stop them. Would you put... Would you she put, didn't know about them. Come oh, on. Oh, come on. Hey, Sam, would you put... No, she probably didn't. You're right. Sam, would you put uh, Lance Armstrong in a hypothetical or real cycling hall of fame? Yeah, I, like, I kind of feel like I have to. And it's like... Uh, he deserves to be stripped of his titles. He deserves everything that came to him. He deserves like, you know, sort of this, this note of shame that he brought to the sport. But like, you can't deny that there was a period in history where Lance Armstrong was like the biggest athlete on earth for sure. And like, that's sort of the thing is just like, I guess the things that I'm weighing is that like cycling is a, is a household name because of Lance Armstrong. He yeah. brought the sport to a level it's never seen before. And yep, he did it by juicing and everybody around him was juicing. And it was the only way that you could win at the time. And I think that his story is utterly complex. Um, but you know, just acknowledging what he did to the sport. I, I do think that there needs to be some recognition for that. I'm going to need to go back to this. Uh, but Jillian is chiming in on our live chat and says, uh, when it comes to Lance Armstrong, he ruined. I'm waiting till you're done your coffee because you may spit it all over our expensive computer equipment. See, I timed that. I timed that. Sam, hey, time, there's nothing expensive in front of me. Yeah. She says Lance Armstrong ruined the dodgeball movie and should never be forgiven for that. I'm so <laughs> mad. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's been forever since I've seen Dodgeball. I don't know. Yeah. Chad, thank you, says the U.S. Bicycling Hall of Fame is in Davis, California. Okay. And uh, James is wondering, how's the air up on your podium, Sarah? Well, that's okay. Sarah's, it's Sarah a soapbox. Sarah it's has soap high, box. You have high standards. And that's fine. The Ivory Palace. That's maybe what we'll call your uh, remote your remote production studio from where you work today. Um, a, a, I've never been able to uh, get into this really before because I've always worked corporate media. I've always worked the MSM, the mainstream media, and I uh, had marching orders to not mention or acknowledge the popular mental health fundraiser because it was it was being presented by a competitor to us, a corporate media competitor. And so when, when I worked for Rogers or Chum. Or uh, when I worked for, uh, most recently for Chorus, uh, we were not to discuss Bell Let's Talk Day. But now we finally can. And I find out that my entire team thinks it's bullshit. Sarah? 110%. <laughs> okay. Bullshit. Okay. Okay. So what is it? Five cents for every tweet that uses the hashtag Bell Let's Talk today will go toward mental health initiatives. So says the company, and it's donated tens, if not hundreds of million dollars uh, over the years, and a bunch of celebrities do it. It's kind of a contest, to be honest, with all the blue check marks on Twitter to find out mm -hmm. who can have the mental health tweet that gets the most likes, that gets the most retweets. Oftentimes, Ellen wins the day. What do you dislike about it? I just feel like it's... Uh, publicity stunt. If they actually were truly invested and value mental health, A, they would support their employees and not cut their pay and uh, yeah, just not take care of them. But B, they would donate the money and not need to have people tweet and share. I mean, it's a publicity stunt. If they were serious about it, they would just do it and they didn't need to have 
you know, publicity around it. Is it okay though, if if there's a publicity stunt that raises tens of millions of dollars for a cause that also benefits a corporation and its shareholders? Like, is it okay if there's a, a, a major fundraiser that also works as a really great advertisement for a brand? Yes. Does it make it, is yes. it more loaded? Is it a more loaded situation for you because it's relating to mental health as opposed to if it was like diabetes or something? People with diabetes like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying people get a little bit when you start talking about yourself as a mental health champion. It, I don't know. I, I have to think about that one, Ryan. I, it, that one that I feel like I, I can't close the door on it entirely and do say you can't do it. But yeah. I just feel like it, it just smacks of. Uh, it's gross. It's okay. gross. I, I, I do recall last year, uh, Bell at Stock Day, and I can't recall the specifics. I apologize, but Bell had its big fundraiser, had its big day, which is today, and the hashtag will trend, and, I, and I'm sure that it will uh, you know, uh, kickstart a lot of conversations about mental health, which is obviously great. Um, I'm also predicting we're going to see a lot of messages, Sam, from people that are saying, uh, let's make sure we talk about it the other 364 days of the year as well. People kind of digging their heels a little bit. Uh, I, I'm picking up that you and Sarah's by your body language that your views may align with Sarah's. Where do you stand on it? We have to remember that. I don't know if it was the next day or the next week, but immediately after Bell Let's Talk Day, Bell laid off like 300 That's employees. That's what I was going to say, and I was trying to remember um, a couple of prominent names. Yeah, like, well, Dan O'Toole is the biggest one. Dan O'Toole. Dan O'Toole from who, Sportsnet. Who was, can I say, it's a, I, I'm out of line in saying this. I'll acknowledge I'm out of line in saying this, but many people have speculated that Dan O'Toole has had some mental health challenges over the past couple He's of years. He's had a rough few he's years. had a really rough I mean, like, couple you know, of years if you listen, I, mean, I was a huge fan of jay and dan for a while uh listened to all the podcasts he's actually just launched a new podcast on tsn yeah um which is pretty great and and but you know let's let's zoom out a little bit like that's just one example it's one high profile example bell let's talk day is the same thing as uh sports teams that have their community foundations It's the same thing as grocery stores that ask you to donate at the checkout basically bell lets to write a really big check with their name on it and their tax deductions that was crowdfunded from a whole bunch of citizens thinking they were doing good. It is all publicity for Bell and a tiny bit of mental health but awareness. They, but they are doing good. Um, that's going to be the name of my new podcast, The Devil's Advocate. And I'm just going to bring people on like Sam and Sarah to make really good points. And then I'll just be the but what about guy. Uh <laughs> But they are doing good. And Hoyles, they are doing good with the money. Sam, I'm glad you brought up uh, sports teams and their community foundations. Like like the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation is funded by, uh, they're funded by the, the millions of dollars that people spend on 50-50s. So it's not the Oilers' money. It's not coming from the owner's pockets. But it is a 50-50 raffle. And the funds would not be raised in the fashion that they are without the team holding games, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's gray area. Like, like, are we allowed to? I mean, this is being a little disingenuous. But we're going to raise $50,000 this weekend at the Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. 50 Gs for charities. Uh, we sold it out yesterday. I'm super excited. The Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic presented by Molson Canadian. But guess what? If everybody said, you know what, you guys, you're, you're seeking glory. You're trying to smear your brand all. You're trying to remind everybody about your brand and the brand's going to be all over the pucks and the jerseys. And it's going to say if someone said it would mean more if you were to organize this tournament, but not put real talk on it, I would say no chance. <laughs> so there is a bit of a branding exercise that sometimes comes with the altruism 
or that sometimes comes with the initiative. I'm curious to know where the audience lands on this. You can let us know. Uh, regardless of how you feel about it, millions of dollars will be raised today that the company says will go toward mental health initiatives. And I'm curious to know where real talkers will land on this. I really am. We're also going to be talking when Mike Duggan joins us in just a little bit. Is, is Dr. Popova ready to go? Yeah, I better get to her. Uh, when we talk Mike Duggan, I'm going to dig back into what I know a lot of you are struggling with. Uh, I am too right now. Um, family members, friends of yours right now. Uh, inviting you to join Facebook groups, cheering on the truck convoy, cheering on the freedom convoy, talking about how they're going to take Canada back. And you're going, how do I break it to my loved ones that they're not going to be want to they're not going to want to be tied to this thing? Uh, I know that that's a real conversation. This is a show called Real Talk. That's a real conversation that people are having right now. And we're going to get into that. And on the Hall of Fame front as well. I mean, people are asking great questions, too. Sean is wondering, would you honor Ben Johnson? Does Ben Johnson belong in a Hall of Fame, like Canadian Sports Hall of Fame? I don't think he can. I mean, he was just completely embarrassed. The guy's doing commercials now for Cheetah Sports Drink going, I cheetah all the time. It's like, what? That is not Hall of Fame material. What if we just had an alternate, you know, anything goes Hall of Fame? Just like we should have an alternate anything goes Olympics. Sam, I have been arguing for that for years. <laughs> a dope Olympics. I love the idea. People take it seriously and then they start saying, you want to see people's hearts exploding at 45 because they juiced up as far as you can. And then I say, hey, listen. Yes. Hoyles, would you be in for it? Would you go to the juiced Olympics? I mean, then, I mean, for me, that's like morality. I mean, then they're being honest about it. So, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go so, for it. So you're okay with the moral approach to <laughs> doping as long as everybody's clear about it. You know what you do? You still blood test the athletes just to get a sense of like, wow, this guy's running 15 parts per wow. million on the other. This guy is juiced more than anyone else we've ever seen. Let's see how much he can lift, Larry. But I think also the scientists. I mean, the guys that are figuring out how to do this doping and just like to keep ahead of all of the regulators, those guys should get awards too. Those people. See, this is why you do not miss Real Talk because in the span of 10 minutes, one of our team members has established a morality hall of fame and then called for a steroid Olympic Games in 10 minutes time. And I support every single second of it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we're going to get serious in just a second. We're going to talk about Russia and we're going to talk about Ukraine and what's going on, the role that Canada should play. But I want to remind you that this weekend's sold out Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. Absolutely amazing. Every attendee is going to have a chance to get their hands on a dram in a can. This product is super duper cool. It's just launched here in Canada, it's 100 mils of Irish whiskey, two stacks in a can. How convenient is that? You can sip it neat. You can pour it on the rocks. You can make your favorite whiskey cocktail with it. You'll find it at Sherbrooke Liquors, two locations in the city of Edmonton. And of course, you can check it out anywhere you find fine beverages. Dram in a can is a rich a tasting note here with shots of, uh, notes of shortbread, Sam, they say. Toasted almond and peeled apple with soft milk chocolate and dried fruit. Extremely smooth. The two stacks dram in the can is the world's first 43% straight whiskey in a can. It's perfect for when you're on the move. Like not behind the wheel, but on the move. Big difference there. 
Our friends at Local Waste are presenting Trash Talk a little later on this week, and we've already got some incredible submissions. Please keep them coming. If you check them out online at localwaste.ca, you'll see you can connect with them today for a bin. They're based out of Edmonton and Regina. They make it convenient to cross the prairies for you. Whether it's a 10-foot bin for a, a residential renovation or maybe it's the big 40-footer, something that maybe you're working on a construction site, a huge landscaping job. Maybe you're looking for something more permanent at your family business. Maybe you're a, a retail operator. They'd love to hear from you, provide a quote. They'd love to compete for your business, quite frankly, at localwaste.ca. Well, this is a story that's been making news around the world. And for obvious reasons, the world's most powerful nations are keeping a keen eye on what's happening at the Russia-Ukraine border. More than 100,000 Russian soldiers have gathered there. Moscow still waiting for a response here. There's been a list of security demands. Russia doesn't want Ukraine and NATO and Western nations are trying to figure out how to move forward. What does the average citizen know about what's driving this and what the stakes are? If you're like me, probably not enough. Dr. Maria Popova is an associate professor and the Jean Monnet chair in the Department of Political Science at McGill University. She's written extensively on Ukrainian and Russian politics, as well as on the integration of post-communist states into the EU. Uh, Dr. Popova, we kept you waiting with our silly meanderings about dope users in halls of fame. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Obviously, people's hearts are in their throats looking at what could be a pretty high-profile conflict on the Russia-Ukraine border. What are the Coles notes that the average person needs to understand about what's going on? Thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, so let's start with uh, the basics. The basics is that Russia already invaded part of Ukraine in 2014. It took Crimea through annexation and it sponsored separatists in the eastern part of Ukraine. So now Ukraine has part of its territory in the east that it doesn't control. It's under the control of separatists sponsored by Russia. The escalation that we're seeing now uh, started uh, back in the fall. And it's not really clear why this escalation is necessary now. Nothing really happened in Ukraine to trigger it in, the, um, in, in this contested region. Nothing really happened there. So what it bec is becoming increasingly obvious is that this escalation is about more than Ukraine. It's about Russia renegotiating or trying to renegotiate the terms of European security structure with the West. So that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the West and Russia try to renegotiate this. I mean, obviously, the West doesn't actually want to renegotiate. They like the current situation. What Russia is pushing for, and that's what the threat to Ukraine is for, is to renegotiate, to have a better deal for itself in Europe. How would you characterize Ukraine's position in this? I mean, nobody's going to say this is a fair fight. I don't think that anybody's going to suggest that these two nations are equal from a, from a, a diplomatic uh, perspective, from a military might uh, capability. But how would you characterize the position from which Ukraine comes? Well, Ukraine is in a really tough spot. They already have had some of their territory chopped off. They're, they fear further invasion. 
Uh, but at the same time, they would like to continue to be sovereign. They would like to continue to be in control of their own foreign policy, uh, which means that it, they want it to be them to decide whether to apply for NATO, whether to apply for the European Union, how to do that, when to do that. They just want to be in control of their own sovereign foreign policy. Pretty interesting posturing yesterday from the United States. When the Americans talk, everybody listens. Obviously, in context like this, uh, the U.S. sending what most are saying is the clearest message yet that Russia uh, and its economic sectors in particular, as well as Russian President Vladimir Putin, could personally face sanctions, the severest sanctions that that nation has ever faced. Uh, this was uh, announced yesterday uh, by a ruminating U.S. President Joe Biden says it'll outline new punitive measures uh, that it will impose if there's an invasion of the Kremlin firing back, saying that any personal sanctions on Putin would be politically destructive. Now, what do you make of the position that the Americans are taking on this? And what does this do to an already tense U.S.-Russian relationship? So part of the reason why uh, President Biden is mentioning personal sanctions and, and uh, saying that Putin himself could be targeted is because um, right now Russia is a pretty personalistic regime. Um, and what uh, Biden wants to emphasize is that this is um, an adventure that the Kremlin is on. Uh, that this is not necessarily uh, driven by Russian domestic um, thirst for this. Um, so Biden is trying to signal that the regime will suffer from sanctions if, um, uh, if uh, they decide to invade uh, Ukraine further. Now, this is, of course, a risky thing to uh, suggest uh, because Putin is in control and seems to be uh, holding fairly uh, strongly onto his um, control of the of uh, the Russian government. Um, so, um, and of course, if there are severe personal sanctions on Putin, it is of it makes diplomacy really difficult. Like, how do you negotiate with someone whose credit card you tried to cut up? Mm. Um, so it is it's a last resort kind of talk, uh, but I doubt it would come to that. Do you foresee there being an actual armed conflict? I mean, I mean, can you see a, a war breaking out in this region? It's really hard to make a prediction um, because a lot of diplomacy is still going on and could de-escalate this. It's also hard uh, to see why an invasion would happen given that this invasion would be really hard for Russia because uh, Ukraine will fight back. So it's not going to be a, an easy breezy, uh, let's take the rest of uh, Ukraine. Uh, it's not going to look like 2014 uh, when they managed to take Crimea very quickly uh, and with without much bloodshed. So this is not going to look like that. And the Russians uh, most probably know this full well. So uh, So that decreases the chances of an actual invasion. It, it sort of suggests that they're, what they're probably going for is trying to get as many concessions as they can through this uh, tough talk uh, diplomacy. So 
if I were to make uh, a prediction, I would say that this will de-escalate through negotiation. But uh, but I would not uh, put money on that. It, it is it's uh, you know it's uh, reading tea leaves right now. Um, we don't know what exactly uh, is going on, and there is the 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 danger that the longer this goes and uh, the more. Uh, the talk escalates, uh, the sides will feel like they're pushed into a corner where they have to act militarily. Mm. That's the danger there. And that's why it's it's hard to say one way or another right now. Right. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I appreciate the analysis. The the uh, the federal government, the Trudeau cabinet wrapping up a retreat today. And I know that the prime minister has faced growing criticism of his government, um, opposition politicians, Others, uh, political commentators are saying that Canada has been soft and superficial on this file. The families of diplomats are being ordered out of the region. What role do you see Canada playing in this? Actually, um, Canada has been traditionally a fairly strong ally of Ukraine. Um, So um, if it's uh, soft uh, right now, um, I wouldn't put too much uh, too much stake on this. Uh, Canada is clearly, I think, in Ukraine's corner. Um, What Canada can do right now, though, is really try to smooth over uh, potential divisions within the Western um, alliance on how to respond uh, to this crisis. Uh, There are some um, indications that within Europe, uh, different uh, countries have uh, different positions on how to deal with this. Uh, Germany is much, uh, much softer, if we want to use this uh, word, on um, on Russia than uh, than the U.S. for sure, than the U.K., than some other European uh, states. Um, France is also kind of taking its own course, and this is really creating um, some discord within Europe right now on. And especially it's becoming clear that if there is an actual war, this discord will become even more afraid. You know, the the European nations have different positions on how to deal with this. I mean, broadly similar, but the devil is in the details always, right? Um, so what Canada can be doing right now is trying to smooth these divisions within the Western alliance over and trying to get people within the Western alliance to agree more on this strategy, to work out a strategy that is uh, coordinated and works for everyone. Doctor, there's this obviously pretty high profile uh, phone call, this meeting yesterday uh, hosted by American President Joe Biden, uh, the White House releasing a list of the participants in that meeting, including the European Commission president, European Council president, the French president, the German chancellor, the Italian prime minister, NATO secretary general, the Polish president and the British prime minister, uh, Boris Johnson, not on that list was Canada's prime minister, Justin Trudeau. And it prompted a number of tweets, mostly from opposition politicians like conservative MP James Bazan, who said today the American president meeting with world leaders, including NATO, to talk about Russia's military buildup, Justin Trudeau is not on this list. This is what happens when you fail to stand up for Ukraine. Is that a fair analysis? Is that fair criticism? Well, it does sting a little that he was not on that meeting. Yep. But 
it doesn't necessarily mean that it's because Canada is soft on Ukraine. It may actually mean that it's because Canada has a very clear position, uh, which is very strongly pro-Ukrainian. So they already know where Canada stands. They would like to smooth things over between the people, between the countries that are sort of not uh, in line. That's why you have there on this list uh, Germany and France and Italy and and Poland there as a country that has a very strong opinion, very strong pro-Ukrainian opinion on this and, and wants to maybe make the case uh, for that with the others. So um, it would have been better if he had been invited. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, doctor, is there anything, uh, Maria, that you, that you think really needs to be considered? Uh, maybe a nuance or a particular detail uh, you think that would be valuable to people that are trying to analyze this in real time, trying to make sense of it? Something that we haven't touched on yet? Um, yes, I think I think what's important to understand here is that this uh, uh, conflict and this potential for conflict um, is driven not only by international um, brinksmanship and these uh, international relations issues, because we're really focusing on the international dimension. And uh, the domestic dimension within Russia and within Ukraine is, is very important as well. Uh, and knowing this domestic realities is important for understanding the international dimension as well. So what I'll mention here is that in recent uh, days, there's been talk about how maybe one of the strategies for uh, that Russia has is to go in quickly, install a Russian puppet in Ukraine and leave. And this this is what they're going for. This has been discussed out there, but and with some support actually from the UK intelligence. Uh, but for anyone who understands domestic politics in both Russia and Ukraine, um, they immediately think this is really not a realistic scenario. Uh, it would be impossible for Russia to install a puppet right now. Uh, if Russia were to invade Ukraine, Ukrainians would become even more uh, supportive of their government, even more anti-Russian, uh, even more determined to fight. There is just not a feasible way in which they can install a Russian puppet. They would have to occupy the entire country and hold it militarily, which, of course, is very costly. So it's something to consider that this is not just about international negotiation. You have to know the realities on the ground as well. Maria, I want to acknowledge that I'm about to ask you a question uh, in, in the context of just a real quick one, because I know you got to go. But at the same time, it's a massive question. So I apologize in advance. But Erica is making a really interesting point on our live chat. It says Russia has a surprisingly small and fragile economy. And I don't think that they really want a large scale war. I'm not even sure they could afford it. Is that accurate? Well, it's sort of accurate given the size of Russia's land. Comparatively, um, sure. Yes. Um, it is. It doesn't. It, indeed, it doesn't have uh, a very, very strong economy, but it could certainly take an invasion of uh, of Ukraine militarily. Right. Um, and um, they have been sort of uh, trying to sanction proof uh, their economy over the last eight years. Um, and some research is showing that they're they've done a fairly successful job at that. So they can do it. 
we can acknowledge nobody needs a scenario where the Americans and the Russians are standing off flexing their military muscles, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's why this uh, this situation right now is so important. And that's why diplomacy right now is really essential. This needs to be de-escalated. Dr. Maria Popova joining us. Um, she's the Jean Monnet chair in the Department of Political Science at McGill University. I've got audience members here saying she is so good at breaking this down and explaining this. That's the best feedback we can get, Maria. Thanks for doing this. Thanks very much for having me. You bet. Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can send your emails. I love our live chat. It's it's going on. People are talking Ukraine. People are still talking juicing and, and halls of fame. Um, it's always devastating for me when I see somebody that I personally know in the live chat, like Allison Zinnick, who's watching this morning, and she's telling me, Hoyles, that she, she is just not convinced. She says, I am not making convincing arguments in virtually anything I'm presenting this morning. So that's absolutely devastating. I think it was about the Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic, where I was wondering if it was the same as Bell Let's Talk Day. Everybody's pulling Real Talk off the hook here, saying it's not the same. It's not the same. It's okay to affix your name to something, to amplify the event, to grow the fundraising. So we got that conversation going. And then, of course, we're talking truckers and the convoy. And we're about to check in with a trucker, Mike Duggan, in just a second, get his take on this. I'm going to show you a video that's making the rounds as well. Gives you a sense of some of the people that are organizing or contributing to this convoy, whether it's funds, whether it's getting people to turn out and show their support, whether it's tying the movement of of their own upstarts, not all of them honorable, we want to provide you insight so that when you're having conversations with your friends and family that you can say, here's what this is all about, really. Or maybe sometimes more importantly, here's what this is not all about. That's coming up in just a second. I met a real talker out at the Jasper Park Lodge this weekend. I was walking my nine-year-old boxer, Moses. Who There's something when he when he gets out into Jasper and his sniffer starts going, he's like, I think he can smell the elk. He knows that there's those grizzly bears just beyond the tree line, just waiting to greet the golfers in the summer. And so Moses is just out. He's got like a jump in his step that he doesn't always have when he's at home. And this real talker, we were crossing paths, walking around Lac Beauvais, and they go, Jespo? I'm like, hey. They go, Moses? And I went, okay, interesting. And then they said, looking good, Moses. And Moses knows. He's kind of walking like he's going down the catwalk, the dog walk. You know, he's feeling good. And then as we're walking by, the real talker says, must be the grand dog supplements. I went, okay. So we turned around and we had a moment and we had a good laugh. And I was like, you're right. Moses is on the four leaf Rover, the green eggs joint and mobility support supplement. We've been using it for a while now. I'll tell you, it's 38 bucks for this supplement. <laughs> it's worth a million. The difference it's made in Mo's health. Uh, you know, grand dog is all about finding the healthiest solution for your beloved family members your dogs you can find them online at granddog.ca they deliver to our door the quality raw food every single week calgary edmonton red deer and central alberta as well 10 percent off your first time order when you mention real talk that's the promo code at granddog.ca our friends at friesen brothers i had a chat with doug loveson yesterday president of the company is his dad frank i was telling doug you know frank his dad's an officer of the order of canada i said doug we're proposing that all of your real bakers and all the friesen brothers also be inducted into the order of canada for the work that they do on these sourdough cinnamon buns he likes the idea we're not sure if it's going to work out sam but he likes the idea he said well i'm glad you're telling people about our cinnamon buns i said it's what our family does on sunday mornings we find them at the friesen brothers closest to us which is the south edmonton location but there's 16 of them across the province of alberta for more than 65 years alberta grown and alberta owned we also want to of course remind you that 
Athabasca University is Canada's online university. We're excited over the next number of months, we're going to be showcasing a lot of the research that's being done at Athabasca. It's not just an online university where people are able to customize programs based on their schedules. That's perfect. That's wonderful. But did you know it's one of Canada's leading research universities? You can learn more about what they do and tap into that admissions process, understand how to get the ball rolling by checking out AthabascaU.ca. Before we talk to Mike Duggan, Mike's a long haul trucker. He's a real talker, which I love, streams the show as he's on the highway, making sure that Canadians are getting their goods. We first met him when he was stranded in BC due to those uh, I mean, those incredible weather events. You remember everybody over the course of the summer paying attention to the wildfires and then the floods and geez, boy, did it ever cause headaches. Some of them that still remain, of course, for people in that part of Canada and people experiencing the ripple effects across. But a lot of people are talking trucking for different reasons these days of course there's this truckers convoy they're calling it the freedom convoy and they're on their way to ottawa hundreds if not thousands of truckers certainly canadians many of them showing up on overpasses and on the sides of highways to show their support they want ottawa to lift the vaccine mandate that exists at the border going both ways of course the americans have the same policy unvaccinated truckers are not permitted to cross the border Several politicians have stepped up in support of this, and so have private citizens, many of them with questionable backgrounds. And that's putting it lightly. Some people will say to me, that's not putting it strongly enough. We're about to show you a video where I think the words speak for themselves. You're going to hear from a man uh, called Derek Harrison right now. He's one of those that's pumping up this Freedom Truckers convoy. Some people are calling it the, the Karen convoy. Some people are calling it the Flu Trucks clan. Well, Derek Harrison is an organizer behind a group called the Plaid Army. Uh, they have this initiative, this idea called Diagalon, and it's the idea of a new nation, a nation that would run diagonally through Canada and the United States, through the provinces and states that push back most strongly against vaccine mandates. You imagine the hospital statistics in Diagalon. I digress. So these men are holding uh, an online chat and they're ruminating about what they'd like to see this Freedom Truckers Convoy accomplish. And through the course of their conversation, something pretty striking was uttered. And I want to share it with you right now. What do you got? What do you think? Well, I got some special videos for tomorrow night, but yeah. Fucking A, guys. Let's get pumped for this. Let's go to fucking Ottawa. Let's go. Let's, I want to see one of those truckers. I wouldn't prize. Not, not none of our guys, obviously, but I, I would like to see our own January 6th event. See some of those truckers plow right through that 16-foot wall. None of us, of course. I just like to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, There's going to come a point in time where you're going to look back and be like, you're telling I your children, like, were you there, was there. on this yep, day, I was there. day yeah. in history? Okay, so they'd like to see their own January 6th event. Uh, they'd like to see a truck run right through a 16-foot security wall uh, down at Parliament. And they'd like to be able to tell their kids that they were there. These guys given truckers across Canada a bad name. Where do Canadians stand on this? Generally speaking, the majority of Canadians, we conducted an unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll, saw about 5,400 votes just the other day. 82% of respondents said they don't support the convoy. But if you're like me, you're seeing friends. You're seeing some people pretty close to you. You're seeing some Olympic gold medalists supporting this convoy, cheering them on. 
So how to make sense of it, how to talk to your friends about it. Mike Duggan is a long haul trucker and a proud real talker. It's a pleasure to welcome him back to the show. Mike, thanks for making time for us. Where are you coming at us from today? Good morning. I'm coming from you. Uh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfect. Okay. Yeah, I'm coming to you from uh, my son's bedroom at home in Calgary. It was the only oh. quiet place in the house this morning, so I'm at his gaming desk. For the uh, benefit of people that are going to hear this on the podcast and not see it on YouTube, are those Toronto Maple Leafs colors that you're wearing, Mike? Absolutely. Oh, I, wore it, I wore it in honor of you, Ryan. Oh, geez, buddy. Where, is that Austin Matthews? That's an Austin Matthews Absolutely. sweater. Hey, Absolutely. buddy is yeah. having a hell of a yeah. Austin Matthews is is a top two goal scorer in the league right now. Him, I don't I don't know how you don't give a Vetchkin. He can still wear the crown for now, but Austin's a, a remarkable player. I have no problem admitting that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I watched uh, uh, Veshkin the other night, and I was really, really impressed with him. And just thinking, man, he's still going strong. Yeah, no kidding. Unbelievable. I think he's going to break Gretzky's record. Hey, Mike, uh, this Freedom Truckers convoy, uh, don't want to put words in your mouth, don't want to assume anything. Where are you at with it? Um, I'm not, uh, quite honestly, I'm, uh, I don't think it's... uh, I don't know. Let, let me let me preface by saying that everybody has the right to protest. Sure, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, as long as it doesn't get violent. I encountered the BC contingent uh, salmon arm on Sunday afternoon en route to Vancouver. And uh, as I came into Malacqua, which is east of salmon arm, um, I saw, I started seeing kids on the side of the road uh, with signs, God bless truckers, we love truckers, uh, and stuff like that. And I thought, yeah, okay, right on. And then, uh, so I'm honking my horn because the kids love that when you honk your horn at them. Uh, Everybody does. Uh, So I did that. And then as I get into Salmon Arm proper, I start seeing signs that say, uh, fuck Trudeau, hang Trudeau, shoot Trudeau, uh, Trudeau must resign. And I'm thinking, okay, and there's still a whole bunch of children there. And I'm thinking, is this really what we want to do uh, in front of our children to, uh, you know, to attack a democratically elected leader, regardless of how you feel about them? Uh, it's not it's not in my books. It's not the way to do things. I want to be I want to be so clear if I can say that, uh, you know, I think that we've really dumbed down our dialogue uh, in la- me in the last five or 10 years. Or maybe it's just more evident now that everybody has a platform. Everybody has a Twitter account. Everybody yeah. has Instagram. But, yeah. you know, we'll have this conversation, you and me, and, and we'll talk about you know, honorable or reasonable behavior. And you're going to say right out of the gates, you say, I believe in people's right to protest. I absolutely adamantly agree with you on that. There's absolutely nothing wrong. And then you're going to sit here saying, well, I don't know if we need to be deploying F bombs and talking about harming elected officials in front of kids. You know what? Some people are going to say they're right. They're going to tell you, you know, you're prime minister in your back pocket. You'd be true dope, this and that. And it's no man. We're talking about basic decency. We're talking about sniffing the rot out of where it exists, but I'm not sure you can have those conversations in front of some people anymore because they're just going to automatically assume that you're here to carry water for the PM. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, okay, and uh, your interview yesterday with the uh, MP from Calgary. Yeah, George Chahal, yeah. Yeah, and we've got no right to do that, to go to somebody's home. You know, Scheer in Ottawa, when Scheer was still a leader of the Conservatives, they went after him in the airport with his family, with his kids there. And, uh, you know, that's not right. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter which party you're affiliated with. That is not right. That's not good behavior. And I just, from from that standpoint, I don't 
agree with what these guys are doing. And, you know, I was been reading this morning that perhaps there may be some violence when they get to Ottawa, particularly on the Hill and that. And yeah, again, we've got right, we've got the right to protest, but let's do it properly. You know, yeah, let's, let's I mean, uh, Ottawa, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. Ottawa, no, Ottawa will be ready for these guys. And if people are talking about violence on Parliament Hill, I mean, the last time that, that a tra- and I'm not presenting this as some sort of a challenge, uh, yeah. But the last time that a truck convoy, the United We Roll convoy arrived in Ottawa, it was like a it was like a balloon that you blow up, but you don't tie. And then it goes. <laughs> and by the time it got to Ottawa, it was just this whimper. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got Andrew Shear out there on a scissor lift talking to these guys and nobody really understood what they were trying to accomplish. And it really didn't accomplish anything. No. And you felt a tiny little bit bad. I felt a tiny little bit bad for some of the people that I know were there in earnest mm-hmm. uh, as naive as they may have been. But. These are guys that a lot of them on their own dime drove these big, huge. I mean, you can tell me how much it costs to fill up your tank and how far you go, but it's thousands of dollars, I would imagine. It's got to be hundreds of thousands to get all these trucks to Ottawa. And they're trying to impact change, but maybe they don't totally understand what's going on. You feel bad for a few of them. And then there's others, the bad actors involved. And you just kind of shake your head. And we're seeing it all play out again right now. Absolutely, we are. And, and this is a thing. And like somebody did ask me, what would it cost to drive a big truck to Ottawa from Alberta. Uh, and I estimate anywhere between a thousand and twelve hundred dollars one way in fuel. Per truck. Provided, yeah, provided you're not hauling a load. If you're hauling a load, it's going to be a different ball game. But uh Okay. So what's this doing, Mike, within the trucking community? I mean, are you texting your buddies? What are what are what are your fellow truckers saying about this? Is is this I mean, is it giving the I I I have to assume it's not giving the industry a bad name, is it? I mean, do, nobody believes that this is this is all truckers, some of the signs that we're seeing, but what's it doing with you and your your circle? Absolutely not. It's it's not giving us a bad name at all. And and uh, you know, because we're not uh well support or not we're not uh we're not we're not acting out we're just going on and doing our job i went to vancouver on sunday i came back uh tuesday morning and uh, i'm just doing my job that's that's all i can do i'm going to continue doing my job we still have to move goods and services across the country um and uh, there will be very little if any disruption uh, as a result of this and and i don't believe with the vaccine mandate uh, that uh, that's going to affect anything. If drivers don't want to get it and don't want to cross border, I don't cross border, but if they don't want to cross border, then they're, they don't have to cross border. Uh, I'm triple vaxxed. I did that uh, for everybody and for myself and my family. And that's my prerogative, just as it's theirs not to get Vaccine. Yeah, I mean, pe- people don't have to get vaccinated at all. It doesn't mean that no. there's not a certain no. reality. It doesn't mean that you're, you're able to do whatever you want or, or move freely. And, and quite frankly, I know that that's what a lot of people are pointing out when they talk about the freedom that they're fighting for, the freedom that they're trying to get back. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'd like to assume that I have some sort of a freedom uh, to isolate myself or to have some distance between myself and people that aren't unvaccinated in the midst of a global pandemic. But I digress. What can you tell? I mean, anecdotally, Mike, what sort of a, an impact do you know the, these cross-border vaccine mandates are having? Um, some people are saying that they're not able to work. Um, it, I'm not quite understanding why they can't just keep doing runs from Vancouver to Hamilton, right? I mean, there's lots of work in Canada for truckers that aren't vaccinated, but are you seeing it having a real impact? Everyone's saying, look at the empty grocery store shelves. Um, I would imagine there's contributing factors there outside this vaccine mandate, but what are you seeing? 
Well, I'm not seeing that at all. And in fact, my significant other works uh, for a major superstore in Canada. I just gave the name away, but uh, <laughs> she, she uh, a major she, superstore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she went to work at three thirty this morning to to stock, and and they're not they're not uh, lacking in any stock whatsoever, whether it be fresh produce, meat, uh, dairy, or anything like that. So, as I say, I don't think that it's really having an impact. Uh, and certainly not, uh, you know, in Calgary that, that I've seen. Um, second part of your question there with respect to going across the border, again, it becomes uh, a choice. Either you're going to get vaccinated or you're not. And, and if you choose not to, it's not only the Canadian government that's uh, got this policy in place, it's also the American government. So it's a bilateral agreement. Um, and it's it's for everybody's benefit. You know, if we don't, if we don't stop this pandemic, I mean, everybody's sick of it. And if we don't stop this pandemic at some time or another, do we want to live like this for forever? I sure as hell don't. I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with it. I, uh, you know, the mask mandate and all that stuff. I'd like to go back to being able to do things like we used to. And, and we, you know, it's, it's not happening and people are frustrated. I get that. But there's got to be an endpoint, and there's got to be a way to get to that endpoint. You know, so I before I thank you for your time, um, I have to ask you. You posted photos yesterday. I got to ask you how the hell you did this. Um, everybody watches somebody driving a big rig, these big eighteen wheelers. I can't even imagine if my friends ask me to back a boat into a boat launch, I have a panic attack. I'm not very good at the whole steer the other way thing. I was, I was like chewing and rubbing your belly and chewing gum at the same time. I can't do it. Sam, can we take a look at this tweet? Mike, you posted this yesterday. You say this is my least favorite delivery in Calgary due to the tight dock. You say, but I'm pretty good at my game. Look at this. Where is this? And how does a guy pull off something like this? Check this out. You have what? You got about eight inches on either side of your truck. Not, yeah, not not even about on that side about four inches. Four inches. Other, yeah, yeah. On the other side, it's it's even less. That's probably about four inches there too at the at the steps. The problem with this dock, it's at Pacific Mall on Thirty Sixth Street. That's the TNT store. I okay. was delivering produce yesterday. A whole load of produce that we don't have. Oh, I heard that produce isn't being tracked. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I delivered that, but uh, that bloody abutment that sticks out for the exit, that's the whole problem. Otherwise, the dock would, yeah, right there. Otherwise, the dock wouldn't be an issue. But if you look back beyond the stairs, you can see it goes back to a wide dock. They put this sidewalk in, they put this exit in, and yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's been a few uh, tires rubbed there and uh, lug nut covers go off and that sort of stuff. Uh, I was going to ask so, you if you ever, like, if you're being honest, if you ever just give it a little, just a little kiss on that, just a little kiss. Well, I, I, I probably have a time or two. And yeah. I, you know what? I was going to take a picture yesterday when I pulled out of the back tires to show that I hadn't, in fact, rubbed them. And I was quite impressed with that because it, it depends on the day. Usually I'm driving from Vancouver or I'll go as far as Craig Alachi and then I'll drive to Calgary uh, the next morning. And if I'm tired, that can be a real treat. Uh, the other one you may be familiar with is West Edmonton Mall. Uh, up by the casino, there's a TNT there, and yeah. we used to go in there Saturday morning and have to weave around all the pedestrians and cars and try and get into the dock beside the doors into uh, TNT. That's weird. That's I've not- never heard of anybody having a stressful experience at West Edmonton Mall. No, God forbid. No. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I definitely haven't. No, 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 no. I, right. I haven't been in the, I haven't been in that mall and I don't know how long I just, uh, well, I don't live in Edmonton anymore. Although I, I do recommend everybody forgets about the world water park when it's yeah. minus 30. I'll tell you. Absolutely. And they serve all the fancy drinks. You can get little cabanas and everything, <laughs> but they don't pay me, Mike. So I'm not spending any more time talking about no, it. Fair enough. Fair hey, Mikey, enough. if we were, if we were to send you a, a real talk vinyl sticker, would you slap that on your big rig? Absolutely. And there, there's another one. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but my tweet or but uh, I love vaccinated truckers. So, uh, and I think I'm going to get that made with the with the heart and uh, I'm going to get that made and I'm not looking to make any money. And if I do make any money on it, it's going to go to a, a charity of uh, I don't know. We'll figure out. What Hang on. You're is. having the stickers made. I'm thinking about having a maid. Yeah. Because- Can I ask you a serious question? If if, yeah. if if a guy like you were to do that, I mean, last time we talked to you, you were holed up in, in where were you? You were outside Barrier, Kamloops. Barrier, barrier. Yeah. You were waiting because the highway had been washed out and there was this extreme weather event. And you talked to us yeah. from the cab of your truck. There's a whole bunch of trucks there and everybody kind of knows how truck stops work and stuff like that. And off, you'll gather in community. And I don't know if you guys hang out in the off hours or whatever and shoot the breeze and catch up. Um, if you were to have a sticker like that on your rig, uh, you think you'd risk having your taillights kicked in or something like that i mean is this something that's been divisive within the industry well i don't know quite honestly and i guess that would be the 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 telling factor if i were to do something like that but i'm prepared to do that as i said triple vaccinated uh i do have uh issues where in fact i may get the fourth one uh depending on what my doctor says uh just lung issues and that sort of thing but i believe that uh uh you know if people want to act at that level with respect to you know uh hurting other guys equipment normally guys won't touch another guy's truck but uh god only knows with the way things are going now all right well we've got a bunch of people in our live chat and this podcast hasn't even dropped yet so just you (laughs) wait but they're saying that they'll buy the stickers if you make them um so meantime marie maybe wants to go toe-to-toe with you i like this i like her swagger marie says i can park my horse trailer anywhere and i don't (laughs) doubt it i Uh, bet you can yeah meantime i just got myself into a quad cab Ram 1500 I long. That. I I can't park that thing anywhere. I'm it's like I'm coming out of a Grand Cherokee. Uh, that thing was like an Austin Mini. I mean, I could get the Grand Cherokee anywhere. Now I'm driving. Feels like I have a horse trailer behind me. But I'll make the necessary adjustments. Don't you worry. I'll figure Absolutely. it out. Yeah. And I actually I want to get a I want to get a real talk sticker for my truck. Well, you send yeah. send Hoyles your address. Uh, we'll pass yeah. it along to our GM to Katie Cook Chevers, and we'll get you a sticker for your big rig. All right. Awesome. Hey, Mikey, uh, For if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, what's the handle? Uh, it's it's VE6DPA. What does that mean? That is my ham radio call sign. Ooh. Uh, familiar, yeah. Uh, Victor Echo 6, Delta Pop Elf. I've been a ham radio operator for 20 years. Uh, my grandfather, whom I never met, was also a ham operator. Uh, Victor Echo 3, Big, bull, bull, big Bullfrog or BBF, as my mom said, but uh, we lost him uh, about 15 years before I was born. Hmm. And mom said, I'm, uh, I'm a reincarnation of him. So, yeah. That is so cool, man. I love that family history stuff and the ham radio. All the radio stuff is fascinating. We used to hear when I was on terrestrial radio, we'd hear from people in Europe, like Finland, yeah, who would write absolutely. in and tell us they're picking up our signal. It was like one of the coolest things I could ever hear. Um, I want to encourage people to follow you on Twitter at, again, uh, oh man, I'm going to blow it now. Victor, Echo six Delta. What's P Papa Alpha? Absolutely. Oh, there yeah. you go. I did it. V E six DPA. Your pin tweet. I'll read it for the folks. The blue whale's anus can open up to three and a half feet, making it the second largest asshole next to Kenny. Well done. That's Mike cool. Duggan. 
<laughs> Thanks for your time, Mike. You know where I stand on that. I know where you, you made yourself very yeah. clear. <laughs> uh, I don't get to say this to everybody, pal, but keep on trucking. Okay, thanks, Ryan. There you go. That's Real Talker Mike Duggan. Will he be the creator of the I Love Vaccinated Truckers bumper sticker? I could see a whole bunch of people putting that on their rigs. I I think that would be interesting. Curtis says, I love vaccinated truckers. And I'm sure that now that I check in it uh, into the live chat, we're going to have a bunch of people bragging about how they can park trailers, right? How they can. Yeah. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Marie says parking lots definitely are not made for our trucks. I like this observation from Tracy. Tracy says, Mike's a trucker that's clearly in it to serve others. Daniel says he's driving a one ton dually <laughs> says he doesn't make a lot of friends in city parking lots. They're like, you know, someone like Daniel that's listening to me bitch and complain about parking a half ton crew cab. And the guy's driving a one ton dually is going to go. Jesperson, you got it. You don't even under, you don't even know. You have no idea. Meantime, heads up from Joan, who says if there's anybody up in the South Peace area in B.C., take care on Saturday. There's a so-called slow roll planned from Dawson Creek to Fort St. John that morning. So the highway is probably going to be pretty backed up. Meantime, Kim admitting her shame says I can't even back up our tent trailer. And I grew up on a ranch. Jillian. Jillian's trying to essentially pick a fight on our live chat. Here's the thing. I came from another radio job where everyone was picking fights on the text line except for it was about things like race and religion jillian just wants to argue between ford and dodge i'm more than happy to host that argument she wonders does the ram have a rear camera she says my f-150 does does the ram have a rear camera thank you samuel g brooks my dodge ram 1500 crew cab longhorn from sherwood dodge not only has a rear backup cam I'm just going to take you from the experience from start to finish. I touch my fingerprint to the door and the truck unlocks for me. Down fold the running boards as I step on to my plush leather seats already heating. If the thing's been command started, I put my hands on the steering wheel. I've forgotten my mitts. No matter because the steering wheel is heated for my convenience. It's a good thing I can feature any car could have. Right? Yeah. Right? Now, it's a good thing that my fingers are nice and warm because I can then deftly navigate the touch screen, which is the size of an iPad, on my dash, running my Bluetooth through the Harman Kardon speaker system. Every luxury, nothing overlooked. This is the Ram 1500 Crew Cab Longhorn that I'm driving. You can find the best selection that you'll see in two years right now at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. You can browse their inventory online or go see them in person safely at the dealership. You make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. Our friends at Kubi Energy are hiring. It's their spring hiring blitz, which means they're looking for sales personnel and they're looking for installers. This is an amazing opportunity for journeyman electricians, for apprentices, or as Jake Kubiski, the CEO, tells me, for folks that have absolutely no certifications, no qualifications, but they've got a clear vision on where they want to go with their career. Jake says, we can get you trained up. We're looking for the best people. If this is you, this moment could be the one that launches you into the next stage of your career. We wish all applicants all the best. You can get in touch with the team at Kubi Energy today at kubienergy.ca. 
And Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping want me to remind you, and they're doing work across the Metro Edmonton region, that the work's got to start now if you want to have your outdoor space brought to life in time for the summer. Mike and his team do all the design work. Sometimes that means they've got to pull the real property reports. They may have to pull some permits. They'd rather do it now so when the ground thaws, they can hit that ground running. You can browse their portfolio, learn more about their services, including excavation at landscapeedmonton.ca. I got an email yesterday and I wanted to share this um, with you. It's uh, from a real talker who asked that we not use her name. And so we're going to call her Kendall. Uh, She says, I'm a teacher and I'm studying through a post-secondary school in Alberta right now in an attempt to build my skills outside the classroom. I'm looking to transitioning to another career. You remember we talked to Dr. Phil McRae just the other day, a researcher with the Alberta Teachers Association. Their shocking statistics show that 37% of teachers say that they're going to leave the profession within the year. Uh, Now, Phil and myself and probably you hope that that's the frustration and the exhaustion talking. We don't hope that they're frustrated and exhausted, but I hope that some of them reconsider that not actually 37% walk out of the classroom never to return. That would obviously be devastating considering how many thousands of teachers it takes to keep a province's education system afloat. So Kendall says in my small class of 15 people, four of us are Alberta teachers looking to leave the profession. Kendall says, I've been teaching for nine years, and although it's always been an extremely difficult job, it's now impossible. And your interview on Monday's Real Talk really hit me. Kendall says, I don't see how this province is going to survive. My husband, born and raised Calgarian, he doesn't want to leave. And that's the main reason that we've not left Alberta yet. Uh, But if the United Conservatives are reelected in 23, we intend to move. This government has single-handedly destroyed our education system, our health care system. And those were the two biggest reasons that we loved living here. She says, I'm torn because I have two kids that are entering the school system soon, and I hate that teachers like myself are thinking of leaving. It's going to leave the remaining teachers under so much stress with less experienced teachers. But the last two years have taught me that my mental and physical health, that needs to come first. And I don't see a scenario in which teaching allows me to take care of myself, and that's a problem. The expectation on teachers have always been impossible. Right now, they're beyond that. The mental toll of being attacked by our own government, having our pensions moved, our association threatened, being treated like our students need protection from us when many of us have literally saved them from dangerous scenarios at home, Uh, being forced into teaching a curriculum that we've been fighting tooth and nail against because it's garbage. The list goes on. I wasn't part of that survey that you cited. I won't be leaving in the next year, but I guarantee you I'll be leaving in the next five This is an absolute crisis. And while I now have hope for myself because I have a plan, I fear for my children as they start school. Kendall says this is unsustainable and it needs to change. And Sarah, that is the type of reality check. And and we don't have time on the show. We try to make time every episode to read at least one email. Uh, But when people email talk at ryanjesperson.com, you see those emails as well. And you know that we get these types of reality checks all the time from people that are, first of all, grateful that we're having these conversations on the show. Second of all, saying I'm, I'm one of those people. This is real life. You can put my name or a pseudonym on this because I'm experiencing exactly what the experts are talking about. I feel so like such a sense of privilege that people are sharing their stories and and coming to real talk to Mm. share. But the fact that they are in a situation where they have to share these really tough truths is 
Yeah, it, it's hard to open our email sometimes. It is, um, right? I mean, I feel like there's that there's that sort of uh, strength in numbers idea, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where, where we can commiserate and, and obviously we can also amplify voices, which is a real privilege and an honor mm-hmm. on our part. Uh, we appreciate everybody that takes the time to, to bring us into the loop. But you're right. Sometimes I'll read an email and you just kind of for the next five or 10 minutes, it does what it's supposed to do. It just sits there and it, and it impacts where I'm thinking. And, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah. you know, whether we're talking, I feel like about- I have to metabolize it. Like, I feel like yeah. I have to, like, it has to, I, my body, my brain, my heart has to metabolize it. And sometimes th- there's no way to reconcile it. It's, it's sh- shitty. Yeah. What the situation is for our teachers. Uh, listener here says for, for me, everything else just seems trivial. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. it's not, but I just feel a tad overwhelmed with everything. I don't blame people either. You know, like every once in a while, um, you know, let me give you an example. You know, there, there's a lot of things going on right now. Like I want to Sarah's going to bring us the details um, relating to another former residential school in Canada in just a second. This is stuff where I feel like it's so important that we talk about it. It's so important that we follow up on these things. It's so important that we stay informed and educated. And that's kind of the whole point of a show like this. But at the same time, there's there's heavy emotional lifting that comes with it, too, isn't it? And that's why I think that community is so very important. Uh, Sarah, let's get into this. The Williams Lake First Nation says that its independent investigation has uncovered some horrific stories, 93 potential unmarked graves uh, discovered, or at least uh, we've been reminded of them, let me say, at a former residential school. Can you take us into the details? Yeah, um, so 93 potential unmarked graves have been uncovered. It's, It's, you know, the next number, that of, of graves recovered to date. I mean, there's, we're looking at more than 6,500 at this point from all across Canada. And I think what really hit me the hardest is we actually, speaking of emails, received one from Phyllis Webstad and the Orange Shirt uh, organization saying that this is the school. This is the very school where Phyllis attended and her orange shirt was taken away. Yeah, she, the founder of Orange Shirt Day, as you said, she joined us uh, here on the show a short time ago on September 29th of 2021 to discuss her experience. No matter how much we cry, the guys to cry and think, why, if Granny knows I'm here, why isn't she coming to get me? <clears throat> why would she leave me here? And uh, just really, as a six year old child, look, t- child learned to go within that. At six years old, to realize that my life depends on me and all of us five, six years old, trying to comfort each other. And because um, there wasn't really any adults there that could could comfort us. So just a real, um, I learned to disassociate or dissociate to uh, like uh, survivors of trauma do to go somewhere else in my mind and my body could stay like my spirit could travel. So, yeah, it's um it's just really Pierre Pan's terror in every way. I'll never forget her saying that that uh, you, you can't really see it on my face. If you're watching this on YouTube, when she said that Pierre Pan's terror, um, this is the first hand lived experience testimony uh, from a remarkable woman who went on to, as mentioned, Sarah, establish Orange Shirt Day. Uh, based on her personal story of having her orange shirt taken away. It was a shirt that her mom, you remember, she she bought it with her mom and her mom, her grandmother, her yeah. grandmother, and, and uh, was devastated that she was being taken away, that she was being sent to residential school, but wanted to send her there 
um, looking good and feeling good and feeling proud of herself. And that shirt was taken away. And that ultimately led to the establishment of Orange Shirt Day. If you did not hear that full interview with Phyllis, I implore you to check it out. September 29th, an incredibly meaningful conversation. Um, This investigation, uh, Sarah, as well, we want to mention that uh, right now there are resources available. Um, There are resources and supports available by way of the Indian Residential School Survivor Society at 1-800-721-0066. This investigation has also uncovered uh, some pretty nasty truths that I know are going to be difficult for some people to hear. I want to acknowledge that we're going to be talking about some difficult subject matter. Um, If you don't already count the discovery of unmarked graves of children as difficult subject matter, but there are many survivors of these residential schools that that were uh, exposed to just horrific conditions and horrific behavior from people that were entrusted with their care. Right. There's, there's discussion around, you know, that these have been recovered I mean, there's, we've used the word uncover, discover, but really it's, it's recover. Yeah. Um, I think everybody wants to use the word that indicates our own acknowledgement hmm. that this should have been a conversation a long time ago. Right. Yeah. And that, well, first, first things first should never have happened. Well, yeah. Secondly, reconciliation truth and reconciliation this is this is the truth part and they are very hard devastating truths and the stories that are coming out of the survivors um about the torture the abuse the sexual assault of children I appreciate that this audience is here for this. I know it's difficult to talk about. We've made a commitment, though, that we're going to continue to push ourselves to a point of meaningful truth seeking and reconciliation. And we will not stop. This is a journey that we are on, that you're with us to Beaver right now in our live chat says it crushes me a little bit more every time an announcement is made. I feel the same way. Trisha says this is devastating. Sixty five hundred plus. We will continue these conversations you know gina says 93 graves you know and premier's tweeting about fake empty store shelves in the truck convoy it's a fair point reading from a lot of people that are i mean just on social media i grab notes from people when i see them through the day and and want to present them to you i mean these are just comments that i see people making that i think are, are pretty significant i've i've encouraged you follow feisty waters on twitter before her name's jen feisty underscore waters great insights Yesterday, she tweets 54 Albertans died from COVID over the last four days. Muslim women are still being assaulted in Edmonton and 93 unmarked graves have been located at a BC residential school. So forgive me if I've stopped caring about the fucking trucker convoy and the lying politicians that are supporting it. Former conservative leader Andrew Scheer yesterday tweeting about it. This was pretty supercharged language that he's using. Andrew Scheer tweeting, thank you, truckers. Trudeau is attacking personal liberty and threatening everyone's ability to get groceries because of his overreach on vaccine mandates. He is the biggest threat to freedom in Canada. This from Andrew Scheer. Chris Henderson, chief strategist at Y Station, our research and strategy partner, responding to that, saying the former leader of the opposition publicly calling the prime minister the biggest threat to freedom in Canada is irresponsibly dangerous rhetoric. Criticism is fine. Being tough on opponents is part of politics, but whipping people into a fervor is a dark road. This is my own personal journey. I only speak for myself. You can speak for yourself. This is my personal journey. 
I take a look at a federal political party and I, and I take a look at a provincial political party and I look at who they pander to and I look at who they support amidst everything else going on and I, and I, and I look at who they're trying to be buddy-buddy with, who they're winking at, who they're chummy with. This is, a, this is not, people talk about the Maverick Party. People talk about all those clowns at the PPC, Max Bernier, and the, 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 the People's Party of Canada. This is the Conservative Party of Canada. This is like the mainstream, this is supposed to be the Big Tent Conservative Party of Canada celebrating this grift, calling the sitting prime minister the biggest threat to freedom in Canada. One person, just one person needs to hear that. And then inspired by people like Derek Harrison, and we showed you that video suggesting that just someone, not one of their truckers, but just someone should turn this into a January 6th event and run their truck through the wall in Ottawa. That's all it takes is one person to think that they're going to find favor with who they will believe to be the next prime minister of Canada. One person to fight for freedom, to be able to tell their family, like Derek Harrison said in that video, to tell their kids, I was there. How's that working out for the people that were in D.C. on January 6th? The whole I was there. I'm trying to wipe their social media accounts right now. They're trying to avoid prosecution. They're trying to avoid jail. An absolute disgrace. I was there. Our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Isn't it amazing what two seconds of silence can do for you, Sam? You go from talking about violence and truck convoys to dilly bars. The power of silence is strong, my friends. The Dairy Queens are at Palisades, New Mayo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And the Real Talk deal for this month, the month of January, is a buy one, get one free offer. The take-home Dairy Queen treats, the ice cream sandwich, the dilly bar... Last night, after our men's league basketball game, the three pinters on a two-game win streak now, I'm happy to tell you, won by 30 last night, which is very unusual for us. I burned more calories than I thought I would playing responsible defense, and so when faced with the decision upon getting home of whether or not I would go with the DQ ice cream sandwich or the dilly bar, I selected both. This is the type of luxury that you can afford when it's buy one, get one free at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton in Sherwood Park. Our friends at Park Power want to remind you, you have a choice where you get your internet, electricity, and natural gas. So why are you dealing with the company that doesn't value your business? Why are you dealing with that big company that doesn't take 10% of its electricity profits and plug them back into nonprofits in their community? Why are you dealing with the company that doesn't deal with real talk at parkpower.ca? Right now, you can compare rates. You can learn more about their fixed rate or variable rates when it comes to your utilities. And of course, you can sign up. It's never been easier at parkpower.ca. Well, every Wednesday, this is one of our most favorite traditions on the show. We're able to take an opportunity to get out to the mountains and, and breathe that fresh air, metaphorically or otherwise. We call it My Jasper Memories in partnership with our friends at Tourism Jasper. And this week... We want to tell you about an amazing event that's coming up in Jasper. You will not want to miss it. I absolutely love this. It's an institution out there. And if you not know, if you've not yet known about the Jasper Beer and Spirits Festival, I have to tell you about it. You're going to want to circle your calendar uh, February 11th through 13th. Okay, that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. A few weeks, maybe February 11th through the 13th, hosted at the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. <sighs> it's unlike any other beer festival experience in the world it's like part b 
beer and spirit festival, part sort of story time seminars, and part wilderness adventure. Does it get any cooler than that? No. You have an opportunity to taste a varied lineup of craft beers, unique spirits, succulent food prepared by the amazing Fairmont chefs. And then during the day, the world's top brewers and distillers will be telling their stories, passion, misadventure, their journeys toward creating a better beverage. You know that Jasper is actually home to the very first brewery in a national park? They've got that amazing apres ski culture, and and uh, there's going to be more beards and flannels around town right now than you can shake a cocktail at. I know because I was there, Sam, just last weekend. I know I'm going to be there in two weeks. Yeah, you. We'll talk about that in we'll a second. About in a second. We'll talk yeah. about two weeks in just a second. <laughs> Um, for everybody that's concerned for obvious reasons, want to let you know that the restriction exemption program will be in full effect for this event and they'll be following all of the rules. Of course, there's a VIP retreat package. You can learn more. There's a Super Bowl tailgate. How cool is that? And a grand tasting evening. Uh, check out the website jasper.travel slash real talk. You can learn more about what we're talking about here, about registration and our past features of my Jasper memories. Can I can I show off a few photos from our trip to Jasper this weekend? I just have to. I want to share with you. It's my favorite place on planet Earth. I keep telling you that. So we roll into the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge on Friday. The very first thing, per tradition, we get into the lounge upon arrival and enjoy a smoked maple old-fashioned. You can see the one glass there. If you're watching on YouTube, the glass is overturned. That's because it's got that smoldering wood underneath it, Sam. They've got the big ice block there on the tray. Presentation is everything. I've got my Woodford Reserve bourbon there. You can see they bring it to the table. They uncover the glass. The smoke starts coming out. In goes the ice. In goes the bourbon. Woo! Fantastic. But then, you know, work up a bit of a hunger, of course. So I decided to go with the JPL burger. But of course, you know, this cuisine, they knock it out of the charts regardless of what they're doing. Western fare. I mean, just beautiful stuff. Elk. You can get into it. Whatever you're feeling, that burger. Whoo, baby. And then, of course, the weekend continues. The conditions at Marmot Basin were unbelievable. They got a ton of snow right now. It was two degrees when we were there. Six degrees at the top. They get these interesting temperature inversions at Marmot Basin. So some quality bonding time with my best pal. That's Chivers. He was the best man in my wedding. On the chairlift catching up. He's busy. He and his wife, Katie, three kids under seven, including twins. And so when we can get out to Marmot and just shred, that's our happy place. And of course, wrap up the weekend. I mean, multiple dog walks around Lac Beauvais. Moses refused to leave. I posted this photo on my Instagram. <laughs> there he is. He was not coming back. And I was feeling him too. I didn't want to leave, especially with sunsets like this. Check this out. I, I've been really excited to show you this photo. This is, this is like just normal out there. This is just another evening around Lac Beauvais, the Adirondack chairs. We stopped. We took pause. Unbelievable experience out there. We always want to see your Jasper memories. You can hashtag my Jasper and Real Talk RJ on Instagram, on Twitter. We'd love to see your photos, love to see your videos. You never know when you might see them featured right here on Real Talk. We've got a big show coming up in store tomorrow, and I want to make sure that you know ahead of time that as things change, as stories develop, we are on them. The tentative plan right now is to speak to an ER doc out of Peel, Ontario. Sick days, paid sick days during the pandemic. Where does that conversation need to go? Plus, we're working on a roundtable to talk about ambulatory care in the province. We'll talk to you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, editorial producer Sarah Hoyles, technical producer Sam Brooks, managing director Josh Dunford, account coordinator Tanya Franklin, merchandise operations Katie Cook-Chivers, website design Mike Johnston, 
voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.